Hello and welcome back to the Schooner Pod. I'm your host, Bobby Howard. With me, we got Jameson, we got Ty, and we are here to talk about yet another eventful Saturday in Norman. Um, incredibly stressful. Uh, OU narrowly squeaks by, beats the West Virginia Mountaineers 16-13 to 13 by virtue of a Gabe Burkich game-winning field goal. Um, I believe it... I, I, I think OU tweeted this out. It was the first ever walk-off field goal with uh, no time remaining in school history, which is wild. But, um, yeah, Jameson, tempers are at an all-time high uh, with the OU fan base. Uh, it peaked twice during the game where We Want Caleb chants uh, arose from the student section. First time from the student section. Second time spread throughout the stadium. So, needless to say, people are stressed. Rosie's stressed. Everyone's upset. Jameson, said, um, what camp are you in? Are you, are you, are you freaking out? Is it time to panic or, um, or do you think these were warranted chance? I'm not panicking just yet because I think it's really positive that we're not playing at home next week, because if we were playing at home next week, it would be extremely awkward for one. And two, I, I just don't know how we'd handle it as fans. Our job is, you know, is to be loud and support our team. And then the team's job is to play well and, you know, provide us a good entertaining experience. But whenever we're cheering, we want Caleb, that does negative for both sides because even though you do want that, what is it going to do? Do you think Lincoln Riley is going to listen to you and say, wow, these fans know so much? No, it's some person who probably halfway pays attention to recruiting, knows that Caleb is one of the best um, quarterbacks coming out of high school and they watched him a couple games and they're just moving forward with that just because a fan is chanting that is not going to influence Lincoln and it's only going to negatively impact our whole team psyche and we saw that all throughout social media exactly it's it's clearly caused quite a rift um, people are mad uh, the, the the team is upset about it um, but here's the thing it's not even I I don't think it's even very valid criticism overall. Um, it's not completely understood. I, I get getting upset, but what the, what that was were a bunch of drunk people who were upset. Uh, the, the same people who are probably chanting "F Joe Biden" in the in the in the stands. So <laughs> let, let's be honest. Like this isn't exactly like a, a highbrow critique, and the, the the student section hasn't been the sharpest probably ever uh, as you know, two former students and one current student can attest. Uh, let's, let's be honest. There's, there's some dumb stuff that is said and done there quite often. Uh, Ty, as said, current student and everything, and you, you've always been uh, a big backer of the student section and everything. Um, what's your opinion on the chance? Do you, what, what side are you on there? Yeah. So uh, I will, I will say this is not a hundred percent my, my sort of personal beliefs, but I, I think it needs to be said. And it's my opinions on the chanting specifically would have been very different a few years ago. Uh, obviously with the quarterbacks that we had back then, uh, we, we wouldn't have been in that situation. Um, but they're not, they're not okay. We can use the term student athletes all we want. Like he's Spencer Rattler makes a lot of money because of his position. He is by all, by all means a professional. And this is a, now that it's above table, this is a business making, you know, this is a business venture. It's the team is there to, to make money. You know, we, we don't have to be doing the things that we're doing as a team. You know, it's, it's an entertainment product and it's a money-making product. And I mean, that's it at, at the end of the day. So there is a fair argument there that you're not hurting some, you know, college student that's, you know, a student at OU and has a passion for football and is just playing out of the love of the game, right? That's not, that's not why Spencer Rattler is at OU. Spencer Rattler did not grow up like an OU fan. He's not playing. He's literally not playing for free. He's here because he thinks it's where his best chance is at going to the NFL. It's, it's a business for everyone involved. And if you're not meeting the expectations, then you should be, you know, relieved of your position. That's, that's how business works. But I will say, while Rattler is not playing, 
he's playing well. I don't think he's playing good. And he's not playing up the expectations. He's not playing up to we've discussed all this stuff. I don't know that Caleb Williams is necessarily a better option because a quarterback is not just there to throw every time. That's like a you know a very, very low level of football understanding if you think the quarterback's job is to just complete passes. So I don't necessarily know that Caleb Williams is a better option, but I don't think anyone uh, reasonably has any reason to complain. You know, the, the team is there to provide an entertainment product and to make money. And if they're not doing that, then they have no one to be upset at but themselves, really. Same for the coaching staff, same for everyone involved in the uh, in the program. That's just the bottom line. Yeah, and I, I don't think criticism is, you know, the, the, the standards are high. This is a fan base that has desperately wanted a title. Um, and one of the, honestly, let's just, one of the most notoriously difficult places to win or in terms, or just to keep people happy. Um, going back as far as the Switzer era, the Wilkinson era, this is, this is a hard fan base to keep happy. And this is the longest drought without a national championship. And when you have all of these expectations, you know, through the roof that this is going to be the year and, you know, the offense of all things looks as bad as it does. I think people have a right to be upset. I, but at the same time, I, I, we're not in the position where we're, we're not in boo boo territory yet. Uh, I, I think people are so stressed about it that it, it seems a little, we're still four and that you could be, I would much rather be in this position than say like Clemson, who's barely holding on to a top 25 ranking. And, you know, yeah, no, I don't get me wrong. I'd rather be Georgia right now. Who's steamrolling everyone. But this isn't this isn't this isn't losing to Baylor, you know, uh, in 2014, where our guys are ten, you know, ten miles off uh, after we've lost three games already. This isn't like this rock bottom scenario, like a like a Schnellenberger or a, a John Blake, you know. Even and I'm not saying we should be like just okay with being like a New Year Six uh, participant in uh, the playoff. That 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 shouldn't be where Oklahoma should be. I, I totally agree with that. I just think it seems a little a little spoiled in a way to to be getting upset at a, a performance that I mean yeah not great but it was perfectly fine um, twenty six for thirty six and uh, two hundred fifty six yards for rather one touchdown and one interception which was uh, you know as Lincoln Riley uh, brought up not really his fault uh, it was a route running issue but you could debate that um, because again should have probably just not, you know, thrown that ball after uh, noticing Hazelwood, you know, kind of botched the, botched the route. Um, but in general, it's, it's just, it's, it's disappointing. It's frustrating. Um, and there, there's just so much room for improvement on that offense. Yeah. I, I think, I think it was Stoops that they threw it and it was to the left sideline. And if we know anything, Rattlers throws deep to the left have been horrible this year, miserable. Uh, he's thrown into triple coverage many a times, and he's done that, made that mistake three times. I understand this wasn't the exact same that we saw, you know, from Tulane, and then we saw in Nebraska, um, but still, that's just concerning. But here's my thing, and I really, really want to hammer this down in the should we have boots, should we have chanted argument, because a lot of the people are on the side of we shouldn't have done anything, but I think that the chant is a clear, clear line above the booing. I think booing is okay when you've consistently underperformed in three of the only meaningful games this year. And even in that fourth game, Spencer Rattler had a lot of flaws that were that smart fans were pretty, kind of disappointed about. Um, so if you boo, you show discontent, but it's not like you're giving up on your team. You're not giving up on Rattler. You're saying, like, I'm not liking the way you're playing, and I'm just showing it. That's my job as the fan. Whenever you do the chant, though, is I heard this on the 247 podcast. They, they said it puts a rift between the fans and the team and amongst the team itself as well as they have to choose and internally. Should I keep on with Spencer? Should I back him up? Obviously, you should because he's your leader, and that's who Lincoln decided. Um, but then there's some people that are like, I probably want to see Caleb Williams go in. And you don't want your team thinking like that. You want your clear leader leading you all together and the not be making that decision any harder um so i think that the chant is egregious and should not have been done and especially whenever there are recruits there and we'll talk about that later but the booing i think was 
why I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't. I mean, I I see it as an option in this situation, if that's a good way to say it. I mean, for sure, and at least some you know disheartened you know grumbles. But uh, by the way, just to kind of clean up my point on that interception, uh, Hazelwood curled back instead of continuing forward, which allowed the safety to you know bunch in and yeah. Uh, Mm-hmm. That that that's what the issue was. Not not with uh, you know he didn't throw it to Hazelwood. Um, but anyways, yeah, I, I, I agree though. I, I think there is a difference between booing and actively trying to get a quarterback out after four games. Who, by the way, is on a ten game winning streak. Uh, it's just it, it's just crazy. But Ty, it, it I don't think it boils all just down to the quarterback. What are the other issues with the offense that we might be seeing? Yeah, I, I know a lot of people are going to talk about the the O line, but I'm going to keep rehammering it because it's just getting it's it's getting worse by the game. Uh, I don't know if I'm just becoming more conscious of it, um, or maybe just because I I watched this one. I was not there, so I watched this one from from TV, so I had a, a little bit better view of uh, some of the other stuff that's happening than I would have in the stadium. But just the receiver play again, it's it, all the time. I understand, you know, sometimes it's going to happen, sometimes it's not. Uh, depending on specific schemes and, and matchups. But <clears throat> when we went out in a four-receiver set, almost every time Drake Stoops and Austin Stogner were lined up as receivers. And it's like, I, you know, I understand there's sets where we're going to put our tight end out there, and, and he's kind of the, the biggest dude that we have that can catch the ball and, and is a reliable player. But we have a lot of super highly rated receiving recruits that just aren't cutting it. You know, I, I don't know what, what the deal is with, with Mims. I, I was super high on him. I kind of predicted a, a breakout, you know, season for him and, and establishment as, as WR one, uh, which, which hasn't happened. And, you know, we've seen some great play from our other receivers. We've seen great plays from Hazelwood. We've seen great plays from, from everyone involved, but it's just not, we don't, we're not doing Spencer any favors when, we're really lacking in superstar receivers because a lot of people I think get really focused on the quarterbacks. I don't think anyone's forgotten any of the, the big receivers uh, that we've had lately, but a lot of people really forget that Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray and Jalen hurts had some really big receivers who are being very successful now at the next level. uh, And were pretty much instantaneously successful when they moved up to the NFL uh, there to help them. And at this point I cannot see a single I'm sure someone will trickle through, but I this OU receiving core this year, I cannot see a single one of them going to the NFL at any point unless some crazy things change. And uh, that's a very significant thing. I think that, you know, needs to be addressed. I'm sure one of you guys will, will discuss the line uh, here. But, yeah, the, the receivers, I think, are, are being under-discussed or the underperformance of the receivers is being under-discussed uh, in the media from what I'm seeing. Classic podcast host. Classic Bobby. <laughs> dog. I, I'm not used to, to podcasting with a dog. I keep speechless. I keep being, you know, accidentally muted. But I, I agree with you. I think the general populace and the general media, you know, discussion is on the O line, which is absolutely abysmal. Um, and Beatenbow needs to get that together. But I, I think you're right. Wide receiver play has been um, has been lacking um, as of late. Um, but, Jameson, your thoughts on the wideouts? So let, let's break this down on wide receivers because I think a lot of people have been clamoring for the deep ball. You know, the big stat this past week is, you know, Baker and Kyler led the NCAA in yards per play, and then Jalen Hurts, you know, did really well. And then Spencer last year was like eighth in this season. He's just really, really bad, like not even close. And when it comes down to yards per play, we're not getting big plays. And I'm watching the defense, and I'm realizing the majority of these defenses are playing high safeties and taking away the deep ball, and they're forcing our wide receivers to get open and have good route running and have Spencer squeeze in the ball into these small spaces. The problem is, it's like we've said it before, and I I harped it earlier, is our guys, when it comes down to separation, Mario Williams is there, and then other than that, it's more possession wide receivers. Jaden Hazelwood is not – laterally quick anymore he's a back shoulder kind of guy and just you know a curl route guy mike woods is quick he's straight line speed 
But when it comes down to getting it open, like off the line of scrimmage, that's not his game. And Marvin Mims, you hope would be in that position. But like Ty said, I don't know where he is this, this season. And we're not even playing him that many snaps. So that's why Mario Williams has been doing so well this year, because what he's good at is what are we, is what is being offered by the defense. And you can't throw the deep ball whenever it's being covered every single time. So what we need to do is play more to what is being given to us, play Mario Williams more and give Marvin, um, you know, some, some plays on the outside. See if he can make something there. Cause we played a lot of him on the, on the, in the, um, in the slot. Um, so just got to shake something up there. Um, but yeah, let's, let's transition into offensive line. Cause I feel like it has to be um, talked about and I'll, I'll pass it on to y'all with a quick little intro statement on my end. I think that the disgruntlement of the offensive line for this game is absolutely warranted. Um, they did not play well, uh, especially, you know, the left side had a lot of hiccups, but when it came down to it, the left side was the only one able to block for some sort of yardage in the run game um, after we benched Anton Harrison for Wanya Morris. Um, but, but they do not deserve the criticism straight up because they have been throughout this year decent ever since that first game. You know, second game, they obviously manhandled Western Carolina. But in Nebraska, they played really well. Um, I mean, I was pretty happy about the offensive line. And then they just had a bad game today. There's been a lot of other groups on this offense that have been consistently bad, um, like the wide receiver group, the running back room. Offensive line just had a down day. So I don't think they deserve as much of like that we've been crappy on offense this whole year because of the offensive line. Yeah, I, I think the biggest thing is the instability so far um, in terms of, you know, in terms of, you know, Rame not, you know, starting out the season game one, uh, Wanya Morris just now kind of getting uh, thrown into the mix. It, it just seems like there's a lot of instability, um, which is is not a, not really a hallmark of a beanbow O-line. Um you know, you, usually he has his guys and, you know, you might have a guy switched in or out, but it's, it just, it, it, it just seems off. Um, and uh, look, I, I agree, like not a good game. And they did show that they have it in them in Nebraska to play a good game. But I, I just, I feel like it's just, um, I don't know. I, I feel like it's, it, it's something that is normally such a huge strength to have it even be like a mediocre you know, middle tier, you know, O-line uh, that, that completely throws uh, the offense out of balance. Yeah, I, I think the O-line specifically, we've kind of touched on it at, at quarterback and we've touched on it at receiver. I think the O-line specifically is the one uh, position group on OU that is really suffering the most from that OU expectations uh, versus performance. I, I didn't really, I mean, we, we had some issues um, blocking for the run uh, for sure against West Virginia, which, you know, at, at, at some point could also be credited, uh, you know, for West Virginia schematically because they had a lot of safety tackles and they had a lot of, uh, you know, just really good play detection and, and stuff. But I really haven't seen, I, I know they haven't been, you know, amazing, but I haven't really seen anything with the O-line that I've, like, you know, we haven't had Rattler getting sacked you know, a, an egregious amount of times per game. We, he's had, in a lot of cases, very reasonable time consistently to to develop the play and go through his progressions, which, you know, I don't think he really does. Uh, but I feel like the O-line, there's just such a tremendous expectation at OU and such a tremendous track record, because I, I can't think of a time where the O-line has really struggled, even going back, you know, over 10 years. Uh, so I really think that the O-line isn't really playing that poorly. It's more of a just OU expectations. I think the, the skill positions on offense are very much playing uh, legitimately poorly by any standards, whereas the O-line is just playing good, but it isn't up to the you know OU top five O-line standards that we're used to. And I, I got to say, I feel like a lot of it, a lot of the O-line play criti- critique has, has come with just how awful the running game was Uh on Saturday, we poor poor Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray got fetty whopped. Uh, Brooks had 17 yards and Eric Gray had 38. <laughs> so you you never want to see that. Uh, that's atrociously bad. Um, you know, and you know, not a ton of carries. 
if you if you subtract the two or sorry the nine Spencer Rattler carries, um, you know that's that's all, we only ran the ball nineteen times, so just just not great, not great out there running. You, you have to establish the run. That has to be a hallmark. And I know I know Lincoln Riley is a little scared to use his guys because he is low um, on running backs, but that's just not going to cut it. We have to do better running the football. Yeah, yeah it, it, there's uh, my my. No, uh, you, you can take it. Go. You can take it, James. Yeah, I mean, I mean, here's the thing. Um, like I said earlier, um, if Lincoln Riley is running bubble screens on third and eight at the beginning of the second quarter, that shows you he doesn't trust Rattler to throw receivers open. If people are playing safeties high to where we can't throw the deep ball, our wide receivers aren't getting open. Yeah, we can sit here all day and say Rattler is the best quarterback in the league. We just mean in college, but he hasn't shown it yet. Let's keep on pushing it over and over the same button. It's just not going to work. You know, we need to run the ball more, even if we are averaging three yards a carry in this game, because it's going to open things up. People don't believe in our run game one bit right now, and they shouldn't. so all we're going to do is keep on forcing Spencer Rattler to make these tough throws, and those tough throws are going to get tougher if we don't have a run game. So if it's if there's one series where we run the ball three times and go three and out, I know there's going to be people frustrated on it, but like, at least we tried. We need to try to establish this run game so bad to make our quarterback's life so much easier. Yeah, and it's it's it needs to be done because um, I kind of feel like – OU gets in this same loop. They, they got in the exact same loop against West Virginia as they did against Nebraska in a way. West Virginia goes on a massive touchdown run, nine, nine minutes. So OU's like, okay, we'll respond. We got our touchdown, whatever. Um, but then you're, you know, kind of midway through the second quarter and you, you know, you, you don't get enough, you don't get enough of these, uh, of your possessions. So you, I wonder if Lincoln kind of gets a little, you know, a little trigger, trigger happy with some of this. And it's like, we need to score now, 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 instead of taking that time and, you know, really going on these longer possessions, um, which, you know, just like in the Nebraska game, uh, I felt like when we really settled down and, you know, methodically drove, we were, we weren't bad. Uh, but when we were trying to make up time, it, 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 I feel like it got bad. Yeah. I, I think, I, I think I said it in the Nebraska recap, but it's, I, there were a couple drives against West Virginia. I, I think it was the last drive specifically where I was sitting there going, okay, holy shit. So we can do, you know, the, these things. And I, I did have a lot of really major issues with, with Lincoln Riley. In fact, uh, we haven't discussed it yet. I haven't really heard anyone uh, say it, but I very firmly 100% believe that we were one bad snap from losing that game. That had that West Virginia center not flown that snap way back across the 50 uh, with like four or five minutes left, I think it is very probable that West Virginia could have stayed on the field for two more minutes and gotten up and OU would have been panicking and frantic and and possibly, you know, shit the bed when it comes to to recovering there. And and uh, part of that is we had just ridiculous play calling. I felt like when it came to the offense, like you pointed out, Bobby, there was one drive uh, where we went three and out. I believe it was our first drive in the fourth quarter. Maybe I can't really recall where on first down, we threw like a 20 yard bomb. The receiver was pretty open, uh, open enough that a, you know, a quarterback of Spencer Rattler, Spencer Rattler's expectations should have made the pass. He didn't, I, I believe it's hundred percent on him. And then we run essentially the same play, but to the other side of the field right back after that and throw another incompletion that was, again, an an open receiver, open enough that the pass should have been made. And then all of a sudden we're at third and long, and now we have to do a long pass play. And then we get that last drive together, and we start doing, you know, we still didn't run enough, but we start doing, you know, five, ten-yard plays, and we drive down the field. We have excellent clock management. We set ourselves up in a perfect position. We take snaps where we can just fiddle around on the field and run the clock down. And then we run down, we do perfect timeout management and kick a walk-off field goal to win the game. So offensively on that last drive, we could do whatever we wanted to do. We did exactly what we wanted to do. And I feel like we could have done that all game. And sometimes I feel like, like you pointed out, 
Lincoln Riley just doesn't calm down. I think he gets in his own head and, and, you know, I've pointed this out, not this year, but in previous years, but this is his first head coaching job. He's still learning too. So hopefully that's something we see improvement on, but yeah, it was, it was rough. And then I'll, I'll cut myself off after this, but the running thing, like you talked about, uh, we want to preserve running backs, which makes a ton of sense with Kennedy Brooks and Eric Gray. And my big issue with that is I 100% agree with that. We should be preserving them. Do we not have any other running backs? Like you're telling me we don't have anyone on the scout team. Like these first um, four games were some of our easiest games of the year are supposed to be. We should have been, you know, taking those just, hey, diddle, diddle, straight up the middle runs and giving them to whoever our third string is right now or whoever our fourth string is right now because we have at least two other running backs dressed out coming out to the games. If we're trying to preserve our main two, why are they the only two that we're running, even though we're running very little? So, uh, I think I'm really concerned that if we – I really think the third and fourth guys are really that bad. Um, Jameson, your, your, your thoughts on that? Yeah. Um, here's my thing with Lincoln's play calling. I, I was worried about it for the first couple of weeks, and I was one to come and talk about it on the podcast. I'm saying, like, I don't know why he isn't doing this. I don't know why he's not doing that. Because in every single one of Lincoln Riley's offenses that we've had since we've had him, he's had something that he knows is his bread and butter and he can lean on. In this offense, he does not have a solidarity of something that he can lean on. So he's just kind of throwing a bunch of stuff out there and just hoping something sticks to the wall. You know, I agree with you, Bobby. You know, these are walk-on running backs, and we have kind of a sense of arrogance here at OU that – if we put anyone back there, they can go and just get some. I, I would love to believe in Todd Hudson and Weatherman Jay, but, um, you know, like, really, come on. Uh, we need to be playing with Eric Gray and Kennedy Brooks. We shouldn't be babying them because, you know, a lot of people that play too conservative, they try to hold out, um, try to keep their chips to whenever they need them the most. And um, then they bust whenever they could have used a lot of their assets. We'll lose once. And we're like, I really wish we would have tried more with our running backs. Yeah. Yeah. No, being too conservative in the early parts of the season can, can get you there. And I'm, I'm concerned we're going down that path. Um, let's wrap up our offense talk uh, with game balls. And this is a really hard one to give out because uh, not a lot of people did great. So, um, sheesh. Uh, Sheesh. I'll just go ahead and start. I really liked Mike Woods in this game. Uh, the receivers were really, really rough, but I feel like Woods finally got the touches he needed to make an impact. Uh, and when he got those touches, he looked great. Uh, so I'm, I'll go Woods with my game ball. Um, you know, led, I believe, led in uh, receiving yards as well. So I, I thought he had a very, very good offensive game. Type. Yeah, so I'm going to go – I somebody might get upset at me in the, in the podcast reviews. Oh, uh, the reviews. Yeah, but no, I, I you know I don't care. Uh, I'm going to go. Again, I, I don't remember if I've gone him this year, but I've certainly discussed him time and time again on the podcast. I, I saw really nothing redeemable offensively from OU outside of Drake Stoops literally dying for one-yard receptions. I think he only had three actual receptions. He had a few more targets uh, that weren't on him. Uh, but, yeah, Drake Stoops, again, I feel like he's the only one offensively that is really going out there and, and giving 100%, uh, 100% also being fully focused. I don't doubt that everyone else is going out there and, you know, giving a, a ton of effort. But I really feel like some of our people, I'm not going to mention names anymore, offensively aren't really – you know, doing their all. And I know Drake Soups isn't our leading receiver, but as I've said before, he probably shouldn't be a starter on a top 10 team at all. And he is, and he's out there just grinding, play in and play out. Dude's 5'9", 190. And he's out here dying against double, triple coverage for whatever he can, whether it's a block or whether it's a one yard uh, reception play or some of his bigger ones. So yeah, give me Drake Soups. Okay. I like it. He's always very gritty. Uh, Jamison, who do you got? 
It's Mike Woods. There's no doubt about it. He is a positive in this game. And out of all of the wide receivers this season, I hadn't seen many get open on a deep route. He was one this this game where he was open and Spencer underthrew him. Mike had a clear cut, just outran the guy, out athlete. And that was that same drive you were talking about, Ty, where we did two deep balls. But that first down should have been a touchdown. You throw that in front of him. You threw it behind him and still Mike had a chance for the ball. Um, but yeah, you know, whenever you get eight catches and 86 yards and our offense was just extinct where we barely even cracked the 300 yard mark, I, I think that's the clear cut choice. I think that makes us a perfect three for three on games that actually matter where Mike Woods was wide open and he didn't get the ball thrown to him. Yeah, it's because Spencer keys in on his wide receivers. We talked about it a lot. Like that goal line one versus um, Western Carolina was the most egregious of them all because it's not just like you have a play call, you know, and there's like, you know, some specified route where you got that's your first read and then maybe Mike Woods was the third read and you just didn't get there. That's one thing. The other is there's no one being lined up in front of you and you don't even look. So Spencer, that is a that is the smoking gun of Spencer keys in on guys. Yep, Mike Mike Woods deserves better. Uh, that is for sure. And you know, I don't I don't know. I, I wonder if he just looks at Arkansas sometimes. You know, like like the Wolverine meme where he's looking at a picture frame. But uh, not, not yet, uh, he, not yet. Look, Mike Woods, here's here's here. I'm gonna drop a little. This, I don't even know if this is a hot take. I think we're gonna optimistic Bobby here. Uh, I think Mike Woods is going to get the ball some, and we're we're just one like Spencer Radler realizing Mike Woods is really good away from this guy being like insanely good. Uh, that could turn around the offense right there. Actually, I'm walking Mike Woods because it's there. You just got to get the ball to the guy. So, I I will say before we move on, I I think he's in a great position because I think Hazelwood is sort of highlighted himself as probably RWR one. And at college or at the college level, uh, a lot of the time you don't really have a complete secondary core. Uh, you know, some obviously teams like Bam are going to have, you know, they're just fielding world-class secondary guys. But a lot of the teams we face might have one, you know, really good cornerback, one really good safety, and then some okay guys, uh, which results in this really interesting scenario where your WR1 is going to get the best matchup obviously, and it creates a lot of opportunity if you have a second good receiver because teams are, I think, at the college level, more likely to have two good receivers than an opposing team is to have two really good cornerbacks. So, yeah, for sure, a guy that maybe statistically is underperformed uh, is definitely right on the cusp of, a, of having a breakout year, I believe. Definitely, definitely. And let's, let's hope it happens because, dang it, I'm tired of having these podcasts where we're all stressed out about these close games. Now, a quick message from one of our sponsors. Week three of football is in the books, and now it's time to review the tape and get ready for week four with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. To kick off another action-packed week, DraftKings is giving new customers $150 instantly when they bet $1 on any football game. Listen up because you don't want to miss this. Head to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and place a bet of $1 on any week for game to receive $150 in free bets instantly. And if Sportsbook is not yet available in your state, like Oklahoma, DraftKings still has huge prizes up for grabs all season long with their daily fantasy contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with the first deposit. So, Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TPPN to receive $150 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any football game. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. For older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only, new customers only, minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required, one per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana at 1-800-9-WITH-IT. But let's move on to the defense. Now this is, look, other than that first drive, the defense I feel like was absolutely immaculate in this game. Only 13 points given up uh, and, you know, obviously two field goals uh, that, you know, that just happens. Um, 
but in general, I thought the D put out a very, very, very good performance outside of that first drive, which, you know, once again, went on forever. Um, Jameson, your thoughts on the defense and this new kind of, you know, grinded out uh, play style. Yeah. Um, they looked really good for what they had to do. Um, I feel like a lot of the moments where we were frustrated, where we couldn't get off the field in third and fourth downs, we did really well in third down and fourth down. And then just moments where we just wanted a drive to end, they just dinked down the field versus us is because I saw a lot of zone. I don't know if y'all saw this as well, but I saw a lot of zone where the slant was just killing us over and over and over that slant. We'd have our cornerback, you know, playing the flat. And then the middle of the field was, you know, just in between safety and linebacker territory. And they're just killing us right there. It's because right now without Woody Washington, we're worried about our D backs. It was nice to have Billy Bowman back. He looked good. Um, But whenever you're having to kind of baby one side or one position of your defense, it does open up weak spots in it. So that's the one bad thing to say about it. I don't want to end my talk on a bad thing because we have too many good things to say about it. Uh, You know, Nick Benito, I say this every pod, he legitimately looks like an edge guy who can go to the NFL and be that tear. He's looking like, you know, he's I'm not comparing him to these guys, but say like a Joey Bosa coming off the edge for the Chargers. I know that I know that's a bad comparison, but they play the same position. Um, where it just every single play, you know he's gonna squeeze by and pressure the quarterback. Um, so um I I, I just think that's been really good. And uh, Delarin Terniel, before he got hurt, looked amazing as well with open field tackling. Yeah, no, agreed. And Terniel also had that interception as well. Uh, and Benito, even though, like, if you look at the stat sheet, it doesn't look like he really did much. Just his presence affects this game, I feel like. Uh, and that, that is something that, it, you know, is very impressive, I, I feel like. Um, because again, he only had, uh, he only appears on the stat sheet once with, uh, tackles for, or, uh, sorry, quarterback rushes. Um, but you know, he, he, I, I feel like he just does a really good job of just being there. Uh, and again, that, that's, that's the problem with the defense is we have everyone rushing and we, we have half the, the offense, you know, trying to rush, trying to create pressure, trying to do, you know, all that speed D stuff we love to talk about. Uh, and then, you know. We are overcompensating on the back end, so we get a, so we don't get beat deep, which leaves uh, those tasty slants, you know, like it's NCAA fourteen. Um, so you know, I that's that's just kind of something you you have to live with, which sucks. But um, I don't know that, that that's something that needs to get figured out pretty quick. Uh, Ty, your thoughts on the defense? Yeah, so I mean, I, the first thing, uh, first point uh, to make is you shouldn't really have a whole lot to complain about when you hold a team to thirteen points. So flat out. Um, but I do think West Virginia most probably uh, would have scored at least 20, uh, like I discussed earlier in the podcast, had they not had that just atrocious, completely momentum killing snap. Um, and there were several plays with just absolutely blown coverage. Uh, false, by a- false start to interrupt you, but false start on the one yard line and drop touchdown pass too for that point before that. Yep. Yeah. So, and then, you know, if you, uh, whether it be, like I said, blown coverage, whether it be schematic or, or just players getting beat, uh, there were several plays that would have been first downs. Uh, if you go back, especially in the second half, where West Virginia's quarterback just could not throw uh, an accurate pass. And I, I don't know if that was maybe a pressure thing. I'm not recalling off the top of my head, but there were certainly much more opportunities. Uh, I think you could make a fair argument, and I'm sure if you went and listened to some West Virginia uh, fan content uh, this week, I think you would hear some very fair, very reasonable arguments that West Virginia lost this game. Oh, you didn't win it. Uh, and I wouldn't necessarily uh, disagree with any of them, but you know, to, to just round it out again, if you hold a team to 13 points, no matter how it occurs and you force a turnover, that's not a whole lot to complain about. So I, I think one of our better performances, but also, it's West Virginia, so. Yeah, um, I will say they did a good job of keeping Letty Brown in check. Not a very good game on the ground for him. Only, uh, I believe, 52, 51 yards? Uh, yeah. 58, or sorry, 56 yards. Um, he did have that long of 20, so other than that, you know, they didn't really do much at all uh, on the ground. But uh, Jared Dagey, uh, pretty efficient game for him, uh, 20 for 29 for 100 60 yards uh, and a really atrocious pick, I will say. But, 
in general, like that's just it. It it's it's a good performance, but it's not you know, not exactly something to be like super excited about, but um, the defense definitely is the reason why we won this, like why we won this game um, and why we stayed in it. So, you know, shout, shout out to them, but uh, just, I guess very quickly, defensive game balls. Jameson. This is tough for me. Um, if Turner Yell played the whole game, I think it's no doubt him. You know, it's easy to go to the stats and look at tackles and like, oh, look at how many solo tackles he got. He was a safety. No, but this guy was coming up and he was breaking up, you know, screen balls whenever it was just him and nobody else in 10 yards. Like those were big time plays. And he got the interception. I understand that wasn't too much of a crazy play. Um, but even even with him playing like just around, you know, two and a half quarters, I kind of have to give it to him. He just played that well. He just popped off the page. Um, and when he did play, we were playing some of our best defense at that time. Yeah. I mean, it's hard not to give it to him. Uh, I, I feel like, you know, giving it to him is is something that is a totally okay thing to do because I think he's a good player. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to do that bit. Uh, but, yeah, I it's hard not to pick Turner, Turner Yale because he, he was the splashiest player on the field. But you know, I I don't know. It's it's tough. I, I I think I'm gonna give it to. I don't know. This is tough. Uh, let's just go with <laughs> let's just let's just um. I'll give you I'll give you some time know, to man. think. Let me let me talk about Turner Yell. Turner Yell has an ankle injury right now. Um, but it looks like it was pretty minor, and he should be good to go. Um, for the next game. Um. Have you, have you thought of anything? Or we, let's kick it to Ty. Ty, you got something oh, you for go us? For it. I'm sorry. I break it down here. Yeah, no. uh, mine, I, I think we all knew where this was going to go. Mine has to be DTY uh, because I, I had that uh, that other one that was called out as a, a cold take earlier when, you know, not to point the finger at myself, but maybe, maybe, maybe not. I did do what Jameson just, just described and pull up ESPN and just look at who had the most solo tackles <laughs> as a safety. But this game, Oh, he certainly performed, and then, you know, I, I don't want to say this and, and make it sound wrong, but thank goodness he was injured before he could blow it because we all know he would have blown uh, something in that game and, and oh, ruined God. our ideas of him <laughs> being a, a competent defender. So, yeah, thank goodness uh, that he's not what permanently injured. And, uh, what me... does that even mean? I don't even... <laughs> well, it's like, had he not been injured, most likely he would have just egregiously like blown a play later on in the game. And uh, then when I gave him the game ball later, someone would have called me a moron for picking okay. him. Okay. Uh, yeah. I'm yeah. also gonna go. I'm also gonna go with Delaire and Turner yell. Uh, <laughs> uh, of course, he didn't, he didn't have, of course he didn't have. He didn't. <laughs> <laughs> unlike unlike other games where he had you know a game saving tackle, uh, you know a, a yard short, or the, the same game he led the uh, uh, the game in tackles. Um, yeah, no, he didn't do any of that, but he did play very well. So you know, where, where, where some might call that uh, a disappointing performance, or the, the the reason the defense was bad, I would say it was pretty solid. So disappointing performance from Bobby tonight. That, that, very that's, that's, very let's just move on. It's, we were, we are so negative. OU fans that whenever it finally comes down to talk about something positive, we're like, uh, I don't really know who I can give the game ball to, but I sure as hell know I can take away a game ball from. Yeah. We're I, I, at this point. We're just, we're just, I miss, I missed my uh, chance to give my offensive game ball to Caleb Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, oh, no. we wanted to give him a game ball. <laughs> oh God, I'm gonna. I also got to give a shout out to Gabe Burkich for nailing the game winner. That was cold as hell. Um, just did not give a shit. Booted it right through the middle, which is exactly twenty nine yards of it. Let's give Spencer oh, a little, a little bit of you know. He he led at what a ninety something close, and maybe a little less than ninety yard drive. Um, from like our eight yard line or something um, to get us into that position. He showed up whenever he needed to. So that's something that you needed. He's get, he he's putting us in the, in the W column rather than into overtime. This so, eight yards, six for six. This, this Pretty discussion good. is never going to die unless we just cut it. But if he could throw the deep ball, we wouldn't have been in that position period. If, yeah. if he yep. could complete a pass longer than 15 yards of airtime, we wouldn't have been tied at, you know, however many seconds left anyways. So yeah, he, recovered what he messed up mm-hmm. he needs some help though 
I do love I do love Gabe Burkick before we move on to, to Kansas State. I honestly feel knowing him uh, that he would not have cared had he made it or not. He just would have reacted exactly the same and moved on about his life. Dude is ice cold. Bobby, what was in your background there? Was it like a wire? Okay, yeah, there was a wire. Uh, I, I was just informed by our good friend Michael Whitman that it looked like a uh, poorly drawn penis. <laughs> I've been looking at it, and I've been wanting to make a wiener it's, joke the whole time. How this? Like, I'm like, like, what is that? It's a it shadow like of this projector in my new house, and it was making a making a shadow that looked like <laughs> it looked like a dong. Uh, <laughs> I was like, did someone draw on his new walls a wiener? I mean, that would have been a pretty good prank, so I, I will say, but yeah, no. Uh, I, originally, my eyes have been locked on that for the past 45 minutes. Just just love staring at that, man. It's all good. Okay, let's move on to actually preview the damn team we're playing uh, coming up. Um, we we, we talked With that last game, we had a lot to talk about, though, so I, I don't feel bad spending 45 minutes on it. Um, but let's talk about Kansas State. Obviously, uh, this is a game that makes me a little nervous. Um, we've lost to them the past two years uh, after, you know, blowing leads. And I don't know. I, am I irrational to be a little spooked about this? Because uh, I know they didn't look impressive last week uh, against Oklahoma State. But I don't know. I, I just I feel like Skylar Thompson's going to come out there, you know, hobbling around like the Fresno State quarterback and drop 400 yards on us and then. I don't know, evaporate into, into, you know, dust, like he's Luke Skywalker or something. Um, so yeah, no, I'm a little, I'm a little shook. I'm a little scared. Jameson, do you have any, what are your thoughts on K-State? Uh, I don't know because uh, they benched Will Howard. So anything is possible. Uh, they brought in Jaron Lewis um, who threw an interception and had a touchdown. I'm looking at the stats right now, but since they just benched Will Howard, yeah, I'm back to being scared now. I would like to see Will Howard in that backfield. Um, the way they played versus Oklahoma State just did not sit well with me. Uh, I I really thought that they could have kept it way closer, and I don't think Oklahoma State's offense was much to talk about. If you're talking about non-multifaceted offenses, Oklahoma State's having a very similar problem in Stillwater. Yes, they are also undefeated, and they're happy to be there, but there's a lot of things to be concerned about. The one thing that's different is they found a running back who can they can hand the ball off and get them 100-plus yards and play really well. Um, so they do have that going for them. But Spencer Sanders being disappointing absolutely has been a problem for them. Maybe 31 points from Oklahoma State means, oh, yeah, maybe Spencer Rattler can go out there and do what Spencer Sanders did, throw for 300-plus yards and a couple touchdowns this game in a game that we should show up for. Well, and – here's how inept OSU's offense is. They have not scored a, a single point in their past two second halves. Uh, zero against uh, K-State, zero against Boise. So something's wrong if you can't score. Um, I, I Just K-State, you know, what are you doing? Um, it was not a good performance for them at all. Obviously, Will Howard, atrocious four for 12, deserved to get benched, uh, had a QBR of 13. Um <laughs> Which is just the the other guy, the the guy who replaced him, Jared Lewis, had a QBR of twenty five. So let's not act like he was, you know, you know, uh, Peyton Manning or anything. But you know, for a team that runs, uh, that is supposed to be very heavy, you know, running, like that's the only thing they do. Uh, Deuce Vaughn uh, only had twenty two yards for on thirteen carries uh, in a long of seven. So it just, I don't really know what to say here about them because they're just they're kind of a mess right now but at the same time how could you not be afraid of k-state after the past two years ty yeah uh ou has never beat kansas state uh with me as a student um so worried about that because we're going into to a game where i'm a student at, at ou uh which is unfortunate um and and yeah it's just i i don't know at uh, at this point, I would have been really confident in this game, even if just we had played well against West Virginia, even excluding our, our um, you know, previous two uh, good wins. So I, I really don't – anything is possible at, at this point. I think Kansas State is a better team than West Virginia. We're having to go to uh, Manhattan, which isn't necessarily a tough place to play, but it's our first away game of the season. 
which is always going to be, you know, a, a factor. So I really maybe think, maybe you know, it might be positive for an away game. Honestly, like I yeah, said yeah. earlier in the podcast, it might be great for the team to get away from Norman, go play on the road and not have to worry about all of this fan drama. Um, and I think that's key. And it's going to be so, so critical to see how Spencer responds in this game. Just now I'm not talking stat line. I'm talking like body language, how he's doing on the sideline, talking to his teammates. And if he's throwing into balls or if he's not just scrambling all over the place and worried, he's comfortable and he's making the right play at the right time. That is a huge, huge story with this. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Get, I, I think a change of pace is definitely needed. And, you know, if they can just focus on this game and just, just focus on winning and winning as impressively as they can, um, you know, on the road, that this is a type of game that can, you know, get you right, get you bonded. Um, because honestly, it, there shouldn't be a single player, coach or staff member who thinks this is going to be an easy win by any measure there. They, sh- if, if there is a single amount of arrogance, a single amount of like, I don't know, bravado that, Oh, this is just Kansas state. It, it, I don't even know what to say after the past yeah. few years, but th- this, this is a game. Look, if you have the opportunity, drive them into the damn ground and, you know, burn the, burn the, burn the cornfields down burn down the wheat and and leave Manhattan a smoldering pile of ash. That is what you need to do with this game. This is, that is, this is the opportunity presented to you. And I, I think it's something I, 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 I still kind of think they're capable of it. Um, but they, the, the, the biggest thing is if they do get out to a big lead, they have to, have to, have to, have to, have to keep the foot on the gas and, you know, just, just keep going because they have no reason um, to even think that they have have, you know that they're that they're better than not giving full effort, uh, you know, on Saturday. Yeah, I I I, I think that one positive thing, <laughs> if you really want to turn it here, is there is a fire and a chip on our player's sh- shoulder right now. Um, with how the fans reacted in the We Want Caleb chance. A lot of the players took to social media and saying this ain't right. And if I'm them, I now the fan is my enemy. I want to prove them wrong so hard. I understand this is who we play for. We want to make y'all happy and we need the fans. But I, if I'm a player out there, I am playing even harder than I had before, even with a team that I've lost the past two years before, because I want to change the narrative so bad. Any kind of competitor, no matter who you are, if there's some kind of disrespect towards you and someone's doubting you, oh man, chips on your shoulder are one of the most powerful motivators in all of the world. And I think we should see that. And I think the defense is going to play for Spencer and with that chip. And I think that Spencer should go out there and prove himself. Are we the first team to provide bulletin board material from our own fans? No, I we're not think the we first team. No. <laughs> Not no, even no, no. close. Hey, I'm just saying, like, I, I don't know. Go, go go to any message board or, you know, just Facebook comments and, you know, conjure some stuff up. I'm not saying, like, it hasn't been out there before, but it's on a level that is very public uh, and not, like, kind of scrounged away in the weird dark parts of the internet like it usually is. Ty, your thoughts on uh, OU responding big? Yeah, I... I, I think we, I think we have to, uh, especially. Um, I haven't heard anyone else say this, but when we barely squeak by uh, teams that are are by any reasonable metric, you know, and I all respect to these teams because I think we're barely better than them right now. But when we barely squeak by teams that aren't good, um, our Western Carolina seventy six to nothing win goes from being, oh yeah, this is a good team; they can put it together. Of course, they're going to blow that team out to just us looking like bullies for no reason, right? Like it, beating up on Western Carolina, not letting them store, not letting them score, keeping the gas on them for four quarters is yeah. When your team is playing garbage and you're trying to recover from a you know a struggle at the start is is one thing. If you turn out to actually be a good team, but at this point, um, you know, I have. It's it's almost a coin flip for for Kansas State because Kansas State obviously has our number game planning wise. Uh, they beat us the past two years, and 
teams that were much better than this team uh, for sure and much more complete teams than, than this team for sure. So Kansas State, uh, regardless of OU's performance this year, obviously has our number as of, as of right now. So like you talked about, Bobby, there shouldn't be any arrogance from OU. This is not the, uh, you know, the number six team going into an unranked team. Uh, that they should beat up on. This is not the six-time conference champions going into to a place uh, in their conference that they should beat up on. This is a team that has not beat, um, you know, this team in three years. We're the underdogs of this game, and and hopefully we we understand that. I don't have super high hopes for for us to be able to to respond because whether you know the players are angry or not at this point, I'm starting to believe that maybe they're just not. Uh, maybe there was just a significant amount of overhype uh, on several positions that have all kind of come together as a perfect storm. So whether they want to respond or not, who knows? Uh, but yeah, it's it's certainly a coin flip. I, I will say that I, this game included, uh, if we don't respond to everything, if we don't respond to the the fan comments, if we don't respond to the media comments, if we don't respond to our own play, uh, counting this Kansas State game, I would not be surprised if this OU game in, or this OU team ends the season with five losses, not counting uh, a presumed very garbage bowl game. So, you know, you guys can sit down with a schedule and sort of do the math there. It does not involve a loss to the Bean Man, mm-hmm. uh, but mm-hmm. yeah, we we definitely need to put something together because Kansas State, although they're currently unranked. Uh, I do think it's not unreasonable to say that they are the best team that we have faced thus far or will be. So I think that's we'll see how that pans out. We'll see how that specific take pans out as, as they go and play West Virginia later. But yeah, no, I, I think that's completely fair. I think that's completely fair. All right. Before we wrap this thing up, Jameson, uh, I know you want to take a trip to the curtain corner. Sound good? Yeah, let's do it. Hit the music. David. Yes. What is this, David? This is a rooted corner with Jamison. Everybody dancing. Oh, that's nice. The big story out of this weekend is were the boos and the We Want Caleb chants going to really turn off the recruits? Um, and they're still yet to figure out, um, but we had some pretty big. Um, targets. And, you know, Chris McClellan, I've mentioned him, the defensive tackle top 50 player out of Owasso, Oklahoma, that were in his top group, but probably not leading with Florida being a big time leader for McClellan was there. Um, Marvin Jones Jr. You know, that's, it's not Marvin Jones Jr. of Jacksonville, but he is from Florida. Um, He's an edge rusher and he's a very highly regarded prospect, top 100 prospect. Um, you know, maybe even top 50 in, in the country was there as well. And it's a guy that we've been in on in a while and he's on the, on the fence of, um, considering OU. Um, and then Cam Dewberry, that offensive tackle out of Texas, it's a five-star was there. These are a lot of big time recruits. And how did this hand, like, how did they take this? So we saw Cam Dewberry take to Twitter and send the, the little emoji of the one eyebrow up kind of like grimace. Uh, emoji to the fan-sided video of the We Want Caleb that a lot of our athletes took to. And everyone was freaking out, posting screenshots. This is why you don't do this because it looks negative. What what positive are you doing to that? You're just drunk and you think you know something and you don't know more than Lincoln. So let him do his job. So um, did that negatively impact him? I think that it... They thought about it, but you damn well sure know that the coaching staff went out and said, hey, yeah, they booed it, but it shows how much that, you know, our fans care and shows you that you you have a very high expectation here at Oklahoma to come and perform. And um, especially for the defensive recruits, um, you see how well our defense played. Old OU, with, a cor- with the way that we played on offense this game, would not have been here. But look at us winning games because of our defense. So if you're worried about this negative recruiting that OU is probably still getting about we're just an offensive school that doesn't have anything defensive, that that is exhibit A to where defensive players should feel good moving forward, coming into this team and not trying to be a second fiddle to the offense. No, we are being res- now going to be respected on the defensive side of the ball. Marvin Jones Jr., 
visit did go well. Um, allegedly, his um, according to you know TFB that his mom likes you know OU a lot, and if his mom had a decision, he'd come here. But it's another name to throw into the hat of you know people that are interested to come on that are very very good prospects, and that will come down to the end with it. So another name to realize, but keep an eye on Cam Dewberry um, because that emoji did say a lot. Yeah, absolutely. It was um, not great, but there's still a lot to recover from. Let's be honest. One singular chant, I would hope, wouldn't ruin a recruiting deal. But you never know. You never know with these kids. So. All right, James. Mm-hmm. They, they've been so much flakier. These, these kids are so flaky, uh, obviously, because they're 17 years old and they're getting everything thrown at them. And there's some real hard cash that's actually legitimate now with, you know, name image likeness that it's not a McDonald's bag anymore. There's, this is a legitimate job interview that they're going through and any little detail can turn somebody off. Um, so Jeremy Pruitt was so close, man. (laughs) He was, he was, he had so many good players at Tennessee and it just makes too much sense. Um, but it's just fine. As long as they pay him through the door, we can take all the scraps afterwards. But yeah, it, it was a big time um, weekend for recruiting. And I, I don't know about y'all, but I know the coaching staff is probably excited to take a break from hosting kids for, you know, for, th- for and they didn't host for Tulane, but they kind of did because they were on campus and they were probably, you know, video Zooming them aside from the fact, because even though it was here, we could not actually see them in person because it was viewed as an away game. But we have been treating these past four games as visits. For everyone who could come to the game and i'm sure that is absolutely exhausting let's hit to the road let's get k-state under us and then we'll talk about texas after that yeah i, I think we're all ready for a break i know even even the tailgaters are are, are, are tired uh the the, the 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 pep was not there uh on friday and saturday it everyone just kind of going through the motions we're all we're all tired out here <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Spoiled that we're getting night games too, but like <laughs> you said, Bobby, two thirty kickoff with K State, the golden hour of all things college football. You can sleep in and not have to worry about you know getting up and getting ready or getting a parking spot or pre gaming and getting your nice buzz before the game. You can sleep in, watch college game day as you start your buzz on or do whatever you want to do, get in the position that you need to. You can do something productive before the game if you want to. And then afterwards, you don't have to worry about like getting dinner at the game. You know, um, you can go out to eat afterwards, which is a great segment. Great, great segment for people that watch the game. You've been drinking some beers during it. And you're just like, there's a lot that, like you said, like after the game, you're just like, blah, I don't want to do anything. But at 2.30, you go to dinner, that is a great bridge towards the rest of your Saturday night. Oh, yeah. It's the perfect springboard. You know, you can watch a little, you know, the 6 o'clock games, do whatever you want afterwards. It's, it's really perfect. Don't have to wait too long. Um, it's pretty great. Ty, what's your final thoughts on this episode before we wrap things up? Yeah, uh, final thoughts, kind of recruiting related. Uh, hopefully, the, the recruits that we had visiting uh, are smart enough to realize that uh, no – OU Heisman winner has ever been booted home. No OU number one overall draft pick has ever been booted home. Um, so if you play to the expectations that you're supposed to live up to, uh, booing or chance at home should not be a detriment or uh, you know something that, that turns you off whatsoever. If you're worried that you're not going to play the expectations and that you're going to have 85,000 Oklahomans and Texans booing you, then good you know, because we don't want to have to boo any more of our own players. So live up to live up to the hype and you won't get booed. I'm not laughing at what you're saying. I just now realized, please tell me, Ty, did you put blue? Yeah, we're a sponsored. I've yet to see a single dollar, uh, but allegedly, you know what I, I will say? I will say. Do you ever think about the fact, Jameson, that we are now literally sponsored by DraftKings as as a podcast? Uh, We're one of the not very many college football podcasts that are sponsored by DraftKings. Have you seen a single dollar of this advertisement money, Jameson? No, we're still waiting. No, 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 no. no, But here's what I'm saying. Here's what I'm saying, Jameson. You haven't seen a single dollar. I haven't seen a single dollar. Bobby's the one that talks to our bosses. 
Bobby just bought a new house out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yes, DraftKings definitely. Uh, I'm starting to piece this stuff together because I'm getting really, really suspicious about the fact that we have a major sponsorship and zero dollars. And Bobby's over here just got himself a house. Uh, it looks like he just got a nice haircut too. He's got his hair slicked back. He's got a nice that leather couch he's sitting on. I'm not familiar with. That's probably and a new puppy, a new purebred puppy dog. corgi. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I, I, Rosie came along before the dollars. That's back when they were doing. Anchor that was the money. anchor, no, anchor, anchor money. money. <laughs> so there are the dollars. <laughs> I'll give it out. Bobby did buy us some nice mics um, with part anchor money. That was very generous of him. Um, but yeah, uh, very suspicious, Bobby. Um, just letting you know that, that I, I believe that we haven't had as many viewers to get us to house money. Um, but if you're withholding our viewers as well, maybe you have a very <laughs> large following in like Uzbekistan or something that I don't know about. <laughs> well, I don't know why the Uzbekistani would like me, but uh, <laughs> we've had literally, literally one podcast sponsored by DraftKings, and immediately everyone's trying to like. You know, and immediately you bought a house. Uh, what do you mean? Hey, hey, if you want, if you want your boy Jameson to buy a house, how about y'all go into DraftKings, start um, your new account with it, and enter the promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network. Get some money in our pockets, and maybe you can get some money in yours as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I'm just saying, make some DraftKings uh, fantasy lineups if you're in Oklahoma. You can do, you can do college football uh, DraftKings as well. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe you think there's a big Spencer Rattler back bounce back. You want to spend all of your allotted money on that. Oh, go for I, it. Don't do that. Do not do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, sign up. Promo code TPPN to start today. And uh, yeah, thank you as always to DraftKings for sponsoring this uh, very first uh, Scooter Pod they've sponsored. So love it. Um, all right. Jameson Ty, always fun talking with you. Uh, hopefully, there's an exciting game we can talk about where we actually win, and there's you know some sort of energy uh, when we actually win, <laughs> other than us, uh, you know, complaining. But um, I don't know. We're still undefeated. We march on. This is a much better uh, start than last last year, where we were immediately dead. Uh, so, all right. Thank you all so much for listening. As always, uh, make sure to check out the weekend spread. Uh, coming out on Thursday morning. And uh, also, of course, got to check out the YouTube channel. This is where you can see all of these visually, all of our little visual gags that you might completely miss. Uh, you can see all of those streams right there, as well as Football Feast, the series where I make a uh, signature dish from each of our visiting opponents. No, no new one this week because we are on the road, uh, but still catch the backlogs, uh, including me completely destroy a poor runza that was uh, great stuff um and then of course the schooner simulation uh produced by produced narrated all of it by our uh, wonderful friend michael whitman uh, does an excellent job that should be up uh as the week progresses um so definitely check those out it's it, it's it's one of the it's honestly probably some of the best content we put out i i i i love watching them every week so uh tune in for that um just got to hit, hit, hit that subscribe for sure. So, all right. Uh, and then, you know, we uh, also do a little bit of a Scrappy Dogs contest with Blake that we dropped. So check, take, take a look at that, too. We got a lot of content. Just go to the YouTube. Going to push that uh, a little bit more as the season progresses. But, all right, that's enough for me. Uh, for me, Jameson and Ty, this has been the Scooter Pod presented by DraftKings and the Pigskin Podcast Network. We will talk to you all later and uh hopefully are still undefeated because uh it's got getting stressful getting stressful folks getting stressful so um y'all have a good weekend good luck boomer sooner <laughs>